You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians, myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza. Fortnightly, we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Today we are joined by actor Drew Wilson, but before we get started, I would like to acknowledge that I am on Gadigal land. And I am on Tabal land, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and record and we recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Drew is an Australian actor, puppeteer and writer currently performing in Darkness, an immersive theatrical experience with new theatricals in Sydney. Some of his other credits include Warhorse with National Theatre and Global Creatures, Storm Boy, Melbourne Theatre Company and Queensland Theatre, alongside Laser Beak Man with Dead Puppet Society. Drew graduated from the Victorian College of Arts with his other credits including The Riddle of Washboy Gully with Terrapin Puppet Theatre and DPS. Urza and the Song in the Dark with Matriarch, The Very Hungry Caterpillar Show, and Alice in Wonderland with Michael Cedars Presents, and Notes from Underground with Sydney Chamber Opera. You can also find him on TV with his credits including Crownies with ABC, the short films Legacy, Rare Books, When Sally Left Sieve, Australian Film, Television and Radio School, and Puppetry for the upcoming feature film Blaze with director Del Catherine Barton. Drew is also the recipient of the 2019 Mike Welsh Fellowship for Acting and Puppetry and is currently developing the new works, The Jilted Curse and Part-Time Heroes. Please welcome to the mic, Drew. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. We're very excited to talk to you about the experience that is darkness because mm. it is an experience. It is a full experience. It is. is. Very exciting to see new theatre in, I mean Australia in in general, but new theatre that is um, doesn't just start once you actually enter the theatre itself. It starts as soon as as soon as you're welcomed at yeah. the front door. I know, right? Isn't it juicy? It is. It's a lot of it fun. Is it is very fun. <laughs> um, but to jump straight into it, how did you find your way into the world of theatre? Ah, okay. Um, well, you kind of said it in, in the bio a lot. You spoke very... Yes. I know. I feel, I feel very well credited. And I did do all those things. And like, <laughs> Oh, my God. The... Oh, how did I get into everything? I've been performing for about 10 years now. So I graduated in 2010. So before that, I was pretty much keenly involved in acting while I was doing a science degree at UNSW. So, wow. yeah, like I was I was heading down the path of medicine and the New South Wales University Theatrical Society, nuts, they call them, um, they just, I just kept doing more plays and I just kept doing more and more and more and I enjoyed it and NIDA was across the road. I kept, you know, doing classes at NIDA and eventually got to a point where I'm like, one of the drum schools just accepted me and 
I was like, I'm going to follow this path and see where it takes me. And here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what a good, what a good drama school too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess, like, I definitely had a question about the puppetry. How did you get oh. into puppetry? I think that is so awesome. Yeah, so puppetry, puppetry is one of these weird niches in the industry that more often than not, it finds you rather than you wanting to do it straight away. I did not realise that there was, well, so much joy to be found in puppetry, but essentially it's it was Warhorse that really gave me my leg up with that. I knew I'd heard of the show and I had seen on the internet photos of those beautiful puppets and when it was yeah. coming to Australia I was like please just let me audition. I don't care what I do. And yeah. you know, eleven hours of auditioning later, suddenly I've got a role as a puppeteer and they trained us up. They taught us everything that that we needed to know for that show. And it was like it was like doing the most rigorous training, like, oh, it's like doing a master's in something. Like, for 10 months, we were just focusing on puppetry. It was like going back to uni and studying and practicing every day. So That's we, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was, And you're working in it with an ensemble of around 16 puppeteers, and you're all working with each other in different oh. combinations. So, And everyone's got their own levels of experience. So it was, it was quite a little incubator for for new puppeteers. And I, I believe it created from that uh, a pedigree of puppeteering in Australia that comes in waves. We have like generations of puppeteers that come through and I think it, it definitely made, created a few puppeteers. Yeah, that's insane. Because I feel like normally with those kind of shows, what I would assume with the brief would say that you would need to have prior experience. But the fact that you were brought in to learn... Yeah. That's that's insane. Yeah, so the the audition itself was like a workshop where they were seeing your they weren't studying whether or not you could do puppetry. They were saying, "Can you learn?" And yeah. It was it was phenomenal. It was quite quite a uh, a process in itself. And then the rehearsal process for Warhorse was it was 3 months long. They oh, wow. Yeah, they they had they had the puppeteers for 2 weeks before the actors arrived and then yeah, two and a half months of learning the show. And we had to, we were terrible at first. It was so like, like when we got in those horse puppets, they were like, it was almost like they were, they were just not healthy. They weren't happy horses. And it just took <laughs> eventually, cause like the, the task as well is like three people yeah. making each one work. And if the head is thinking yeah. one and the, the butt end is thinking the other, um, it yeah. just doesn't look right. And, that no. the task was actually just getting us all to think as one, and that that yeah. took a long time. So, and I feel like immediately you would have been like, maybe I should not be here. <laughs> yeah, you do, hmm. you do, you do question your life choices when you're stuck in a wicker basket and you're strapped in, <laughs> and you're being told to gallop and don't stop. And there's someone who weighs seventy kilos on your back, and you're like, why? Why am I doing this? Oh my god! But then you keep going. It's so physical. It was. Yeah. It really was. Like it's two and a half hours of of physical work on stage. We got very fit. Wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh my god. goodness! That is so cool. I thought I just had to ask. I had to ask. <laughs> I guess now, obviously, you're a part of this incredible experience with darkness. Mm. Without giving too much away, mm. can you tell us a little bit about the show and what makes it such a unique experience? Okay. Well, darkness is 
is unique. The more we play with it, the more we realise that it is kind of something that doesn't really exist on Australian stages right now. From the moment you walk in, you're right, Tori, from the moment you walk in, it's kind of all around you. It is a site-specific piece, and so we've turned an entire building into a mausoleum-slash-mansion that is the house of where... Uh, a how do I, I I don't want to give anything away, but like, so it is based on Lord Byron, Mary Shelley, all of that group, um, Percy Shelley, Polidori, and Claire. Like there were five individuals from the eighteen sixteens around then that all had this week weekend or months together during, I think it was probably the coldest winter they've or the coldest summer, like because there was a volcano eruption and ash covered the earth and it was pretty dire. Everyone thought they were going to die. Um, and they, they kind of created all these stories and that's where Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein and I think kind of led Lord Byron to create his poem Darkness. But a lot of creativity came out of that whole experience for them. And so that was, that was the cornerstone of this project. So you've got the five characters, Mary, Byron, Percy, Polidori and Claire, and they're all in this mansion of Byron's and, um, it, you pretty soon discover that. We're, we've jumped into a near future where the reality of the end of the world is actually quite present. So, and they and they're grappling with that. So that's that's my that's my little thing for you there. Yeah, the it's, it's hard because <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm so glad that I went in. I did consider prior to going because I was lovely enough to be um, offered to attend one of the previews mm. with Gareth, who is one of our co-hosts. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I could, going into it, mm. doing the very little amount of readings, I did not want to give myself too much ahead of seeing the show. Yeah. The only thing I could compare it to in any way that I know of is Sleep No More. Even then, it's very different. I guess that's the only way that I can think to describe it without giving anything away. Is It, it mm. has a similar aesthetic aesthetic mm. to sleep no more without yeah. being anything like it yeah yeah so we have lent heavily into the gothic I, I guess sleep no more is actually it's a wonderful comparison i think sleep no more is more in the immersive world where it is it's you, much more you physically walk around and yeah feel. yeah whereas with with darkness it is in a way a curated experience so you are all the audience will get the whole experience at the same time. So that's that's probably the biggest delineation. But also, the great thing, uh, there's a bar. And you there can is. drink before and after the show as well. I don't know if I can advertise alcohol on your podcast, but or drinking. Oh, before. yes, absolutely. We no, have but... drunk on this podcast before. Oh, so brilliant. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you can, yeah. you can actually buy a bottle of wine and take it into the theatre and watch the show with a bottle of wine. So, um, yeah, so the <laughs> Tori's regretting all the choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, it's, 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 I think they've tried to make it a pretty welcoming kind of space where mm-hmm. you're invited to hang around afterwards, you're invited to muse on the themes. I don't think the play really solves any problems, but it poses a lot of questions, and that's exciting. Many. Mm. Many. The show ended and I was like, interesting. Yeah. I don't think I will sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, we don't, I don't want to give too much away because I 100% think everyone should go and see this. And obviously, supporting new theatre in Australia is such an important thing in and of itself. But this is a, a wonderful experience. I think everyone should have the experience 
to go and see. But what actually, this is a, a very unintentional pun, I apologise. What drew you to this show? <laughs> uh, I know, my name pops uh, up in, in puns all the time. Um, I didn't even mean to, I wrote it no, and then Eliza was like... I was like, ah, oh, Tori, <laughs> that's like... <laughs> Um, what what drew drew to the show um i think that the creative team in itself is pretty spectacular just on paper so Mm. i didn't know much about the project other than originally was called the gothic project it didn't even have the name Mm. darkness um and so i was like the genre of gothic i like that i think i was i well i mean i've got bleach blonde hair right now but I do like vampires, and I think I could be a vampire if if I was tempted. I would, I would say yes, or a werewolf. I don't know, mm. something mm. like I, I like that stuff. Um, yeah. So the the themes and the genres and all of that 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 was tempting and tantalising to me. But the the most beautiful writing team, Dan, Zoe, uh, Megan, and Andrew, they're just oh, four of the greatest writers in Australia right now. Andrew's been around for a while, but the other three, uh, they're really making marks and they've really well established themselves already. So um, to have to speak their words and play with their words was really something that I wanted to do as well. Did it change a lot through the process? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Because it is a new work. Yeah, the we all arrived on day one. The whole set was built. Everything was built. So it's been in the process for a long time. And the wow. script has gone through a number of developments. But when you've got more than one writer, it's quite a interesting process. And I would say unique to this as well, is that there was a lot of mm. back and forth between the cast and the writers. We would workshop stuff, send it back. A lot of the time, well, a lot of our rehearsal process was spent developing the script because... Yeah, when you've got four minds working as one in terms of the the actual text, and then you've got an entirely different group who are putting this up for the first time. Nothing had been settled mm. on, so we were seeing what worked. We the balls were up in the air, and anything was up for grabs too. Um, Dino, the director, Dino Dimitriadis, he was very conscious of trying to also marry beautiful imagery with the text as well. So it was like, where does that line and how do they marry together? What does that Mm. look like? So a lot of, we tried so many things in the space. There were some beautiful, beautiful stories. Like each, each character gets their own story in a way to tell. And they're so vivid and so full of imagery, but to come to what those final realizations would be, we went through some of the, the most, Oh, like, there was one point where we were we had a rowboat that we had like carried in and flipped it onto the stage and it kind of the idea is that it washes in and I'm like yeah we we've spent an entire afternoon flipping a rowboat and trying to figure out a way to bring it on stage <laughs> only to like realize that it didn't work and we actually didn't need a boat at all and yeah. so it, it was that kind That's of exploration good. where we just we just said yes to everything to see what worked and then we're pretty brutally honest with ourselves when things weren't yeah yeah yes and Mm. yeah that's definitely i think the beauty of original work and getting the opportunity to workshop it because you there are so many good ideas that i think come from it but that you do have to accept that it's either just not going to work or it's not the right show yeah for that particular moment or that idea to 
yeah, yeah. take place. Even when it's frustrating because there might be ideas that you really, really like and you want, mm. but that in reality just don't work. Yeah. And it's, I think it's more, for me, I've, I've done a lot of devising in the past as well. And I think the endeavor to try and figure it out is where all the rewards are anyway. So that's mm. like, yes, it's nice to solve it. Um, sometimes you solve it like that. Like you get, yeah. Somebody comes up with an idea and it's just perfect. And we've got a few of those in the show that, like, from probably the moment the idea was conceived, it still exists in yeah. in the performance that you'll see. Um, but yeah. there were there were there's definitely one sequence that we had keep kept working on right up until throughout the whole previews, and that's the joy of the previews too. Uh, Tori, like like I said to you yeah. before we started recording, like the. The previews weren't just a stop for us. We kept developing the show between every day we'd come into rehearse in order to change something on a small scale so that we would see how that would work with an audience. And Yeah. yeah, It's incredible. Can't believe you did twenty like twenty or more. (laughs) Like crazy. Huge. I can I can definitely see why though you would want to especially I guess I didn't take into consideration the fact that it is without giving anything away of what is the show or the location that it takes place at um but I can definitely understand by the surrounding as well just alone how much workshopping that would take of actually having an audience because you need an audience for that space yeah to see what works and what doesn't work and yeah because it is all kind of it's a collective, but there are a lot of individual moments as well. Um, you can only, and having written a show myself, you can only like write so much with your actors and then you get it in the space and you're like, oh my God, this thing no longer makes any sense and no longer lands. Or that thing that is not a joke in the slightest, everyone is laughing their heads off at. Mm. Interesting. Mm, mm. It's good to, I think, have a good amount of time to workshop, especially new works. Yeah, and it's it's something that we... Oh, the idea of having so many previews is pretty daunting, especially when audiences are paying. Um, they are previews, they are, they are shows, and to be bold enough and comfortable enough to stand up and deliver a show to people that is still evolving is... We don't see that much in Australia, and I don't know if audiences have caught up to that idea. I feel like there's a mm. there's a potential for us to be like we want to see the finished product whenever we we go. It's very yeah. much a cinema kind of led um, idea or even the streaming. It's everything is just on the edge of a click. So to see something that's in progress is I think a privilege to to some yeah. audiences because it's so rarely done. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you get to see both. You get to see like, oh, what was that? I mean, I don't know. As a as an actor, that's an exciting thing to see mm-hmm. in itself and going, oh, then how does that change mm. and mould mm. and, and, oh, I love the difference they've made on that character's journey or, you know, there's just those little things that only you get to see being in the preview audience. Yeah, yes. And it's funny you say that because, like, last night, so we've got um, ushers that work in the building and they also are the bar staff and they're phenomenal. They're, they're all gorgeous people and they, they have to watch parts of the show and... Um, one of them came up to me last night and she pretty much was like beaming. She's like, Oh my God. Like from two weeks ago to this, she was like, it's 
completely different show. And she was just like so proud of us, but at the same time, like she she there was something in the in it last night that she caught on that she didn't get the last time before, and um, yeah. that's exciting too to actually see that that process that you're describing then actually play out. Yeah. It's it's really quite quite great. Special. Yeah, really special. Yeah. I think I need yeah. to go see it again now. Now that oh. <laughs> we've had all this conversation, mm. I literally saw it maybe the third preview. Oh, it I'm is. Like, I'm like, kind of now I think I need to come and see it again before it closes. Yeah, it's almost it's almost a new show entirely. Oh my yeah. gosh, mm. that's crazy. Yeah. I, 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 I really want you to come see it and hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, you're also a swing on this show. So how have you found that experience? And yeah, what's it been like swinging for the show? Yeah, it's been, it's been wild, actually. I, being a swing is fun. Like, yeah. it's a lot of fun. In terms of my experience, I think I'm probably the most calm person in the entire building. Like, because I, I, I can help... I've been very privileged in being brought in very early on. I was from day one present. I'm I am in the show. I do lots of little moments, but um, I have to cover all the male roles. So I've got to cover Percy yeah, Byron and yeah, Polidori. It's a lot of words, and a lot. Of, and they've each got their <laughs> own track, and they never really leave the stage. Um, and when they are off stage, they're not they're not idle. They are moving to the next bit. So it's it's a lot of work. And anyone, I mean. I'm sure many of your listeners understand exactly what a swing does. Um, yeah. The it, it's it's my brain is very full, like it's yes. it's so full. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like I have this joyous perspective of the show where I see it from the outside, and I can watch, and I just. I just get to like embrace all the choices that all the other actors make, and then let that fuel my inspiration for if I ever go on, which is really quite lovely. But yeah, it is, I, I'm going back to that thought of like, I'm the calmest person in the room only because like, it's because there's so much creation and change and all that happening. I just sit back and watch the chaos and it's, it's quite fun, like in that sense. And I can contribute as well. So that's, that's really lovely. Yeah. I think it's, it probably makes such a difference having you involved from the start because it's, Rather than you coming in and just, I feel like there would there is a lot of pressure in a swing or a standby's mind that when you come in, the actors have already made their choices and you need to either make similar choices, but they kind of need to be different because you're your own actor. But getting to be involved from the beginning, you get to have your own thoughts and feelings about each individual track. Yeah, yeah, you do. The way I see the swing is I'm I'm more of an insurance policy in a way. So like I've got a pretty, what I would say is like professional approach to it, where it is like my job is essentially to make sure the the show goes on. So when it comes to the process of going on stage, once the show starts, the blocking is set, all of the main choices have been made, but what I do with the character is, well, I'm, I'm in control and, and amongst the chaos in amongst all of that, You've got to embrace it and get up there and just play with whatever's being given to you and th- try and thrive within that. It's a it's a big task. It's a huge task. And there's a lot of pressure to repeat or at least hit the marks that the person has had months of time nuancing. And that's 
that's probably where the challenge lies, not so much with the the knowing the lines, the knowing the track. It's just how do you actually feel like a well-rehearsed member of the group. You can just slide in and meet the energies of everybody else is probably going to be the hardest bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a strange, it's a strange, strange job to have where rehearsal time is pretty limited for the, for the swings and the understudies, but you make it work. It's um, also exhilarating at the same oh, time. Yes. Just to... Then when you jump in, you're like, I'm on, I've got this. Like, I'm, ma- I'm making choices. You, mm. you don't have the chance to, um, I don't know, be, be scared or nervous or any of that. Like, that goes out the door and, it, and it's more just, like, doing the work mm. And, mm. and also having fun because, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. You're like, you know, you, you haven't rehearsed as much as everyone else, yeah. but as long as you get the right essence and everything you can have a lot of fun with it and the audience won't know absolutely most of the time they don't <laughs> absolutely i think the um the one thing that i i firmly believe in in pretty much all acting anyway or performing is that if you're not having fun the audience won't be having fun and mm. even if it's sad and horrible content there's got to be an element of fun to be had mm. um i mean fun in terms of like you're not laughing at what you're doing but like you're you're <laughs> you are enjoying the work um yeah and yes you're right things will go wrong chaos it's like we're little chaos monkeys and uh we just have to yeah learn to embrace it and just ride the wave and things will go wrong and i love i love wardrobe malfunctions i love stage malfunctions i think they they i get off on them so maybe i have a sick uh relationship with (laughs) with risk so Maybe. A bit of chaos. Yeah, anyone. totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I think we'll jump into a little bit of a game Ooh. to split up the discussion a little bit. This is a new game that, well, I guess it's not new now because we've done it a couple of episodes now, but something that we've just introduced this season and we're trialing out called Swipe Left or Right. Okay. Which is you're swiping left or right on... Different things, whether they be theatre trends, life trends, things to do with you that we feel are fitting. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so obviously swipe left if you don't know. Swipe left is bad. Swipe right is good. Great. Um, yes, we've all, pl- we've, just like yeah, we've all played the Tinder. Yes. 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 We've all yes. sat there for hours swiping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being our worst yeah. selves judging on appearance. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, mine was always swiping on people that I thought were hilarious. Oh, yes. Yes. Or had the PowerPoint presentation of why you should date them. That one's always a good one. Right. Yeah. The the one I like is when, at first when I got into Tinder, I was like really like reading people's bios and trying to be like, oh, are, are we yeah. a match? And then I got by about five minutes in, I'm just like, nah, they got a weird eye. They got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I literally, I, so I have been with my partner for five years we met on Tinder. I literally, her profile photo was her at a supernova, so at like a comic convention, uh, with her ass being slapped by John Barrowman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hilarious. Swipe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Done. Match made in And here we are, five years later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I guess our first swipe left mm-hmm. or swipe right is actually New Year's resolutions. Swipe left. Mm. I agree. Mm. I, I do. I need to explain, or do I need to? 
I mean, you can if you want to. Oh, you can, but... Great. I just find news resolutions. Oh, they're they're kind of overdone. I'm just like, we mm. keep making promises every day. Why why is mm. this one new year? Why? Right. What? I'm like, you can make you can make that change that you want to make literally any day of the year. And Absolutely. I feel like when you have a resolution, you're like, the first of January, if I don't do it today, it's never gonna happen mm. and mm. I'm then just gonna feel shit for mm. the whole year mm. because I didn't fulfill my resolution. Mm. I mean, I do appreciate the significance of like the changing of like, you know, the number of our year and the big party on New Year's Eve. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's so much pressure. So much pressure to be a better person in the next year. I'm like no, be your shit human self. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay, swipe left or right on being in TV commercials. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you ever have to eat a Big Mac and, you know, that's part of your job. Yeah. Is that a bad day? Yeah. It's not really. I, I find, like, I think anyone in the industry knows full well what it means to be in a commercial and why actors do it and why they are there. So, I mean, you can always say no to commercials if they don't align with your values but I don't think there's you're not I don't feel like actors are compromising by being in TV commercials no No. absolutely not and they pay they pay and work as well yep exactly (laughs) alright so this one I've added it Twilight swipe left (gasps) I wasn't expecting this I know I wasn't expecting this the guy that loves gothic um (laughs) it's pretty bad it's so bad it's so bad it's good Mm, I just like I read the books and I read the books before I watched the movies and even in the second book I'm like why can't I stop I hate this Mm -hmm. and I think it was just yeah three books of it was just a breakup four books of a breakup and I just wasn't probably in the right mindset for it don't get me wrong I love the vampires and I love the werewolves and everyone is freaking hot and it's like yes and if Ever people have compared me to many of the vampires before, um, only because I don't go in the sun and I burn straight away and look. Yeah, it's well. That's that's a little suspicious. I do have to say. I it, look. I can. I can go in the sun. I just nobody ever sees me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might listen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh see, God. that's it. Vampires. Like the. I mean, watching the movie. I I had a look at the script and she literally says. You're like diamonds. Or, I, yep. I just, no. Just a crystal. Just a crystal. Yeah. yeah. Just, I, a, just a quartz. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I work in a bookstore as my muggle job. Mm-hmm. And one of my colleagues, who is quite young compared to me, he's a little 21-year-old baby, and had never seen Twilight. So I have recently made him come to my house. I was like, I'm sorry, this, this, we, we can't work together if you haven't seen it. Made him come to my house and watch. And <laughs> the poor thing is mildly traumatized now. <laughs> but one of his first questions, he was like, why, why, why do they sparkle? I was like, their blood is crystalline. He was no like, idea. but why? And I was They're like, I have no idea. No. No idea. It would freak me out. Apparently they're meant to be like the ultimate predator for humans. So they're like... I'm meant to be enticed by them. I'm like, if somebody was sparkling like diamonds, I'd just be like, go you, good thing. But I'm not going to be like, come, I want you. Ooh, shiny Shiny. (laughs) I feel like it would be the most luring for people that are neurodivergent and have ADHD, because you'd be like, oh my God, shiny thing must touch. Yeah, magpies. Uh, And then you're dead. (laughs) Yeah, magpies, exactly. Okay, swipe left or swipe right on self-tapes. Swipe right, Mm. yeah. 
Yeah. I'm slowly starting to like them more and more the more often that I do them. Yeah. I, I think you've just got to be, like, strict with yourself about, okay, I only do, like, so many tapes, otherwise you're just there for hours doing yeah. it over and over and over again. The self-tape, I feel like, has kind of given the power back to a lot of the actors and what they can how they can be comfortable to do their best work. Going into a casting director can be varying ranges of, like, you're fine to just shitting yourself. So, um, and you constantly try to battle that those nerves, whereas if it's in your control, mm. then it, it you only do your best work when you're relaxed as well. So, yeah. if, if it helps actors do their best work, then I'm up for it. Totally, totally. Well, the last one, mm-hmm. and this is fun. Frankenstein. <laughs> Swipe right. Yeah. Yes. Mary Shelley, <laughs> yes. the goddess she is. Yeah. Oh, what a book. So a good. Book. I'm a massive uh, gothic literature and just gothic novels in general person. So I, uh, ex- darkness experience is an experience that I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will okay. eat that shit up all day. Great. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Frankenstein is... I had to study it in high school and it never got to that point where I hated it because of that. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it it defined a genre or at least kick-started one and people just went with it and we faced a lot of truths as a result of it. So I think it's yeah. it's done good. It's done good, that book. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many incredible interpretations mm. Especially theatrical works, like oh, mm, mm. oh, I could watch them all. Mm. So so good, and some so scary, and just so humanizing, and it's beautiful. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I find with um like gothic, all those paranormal, um, science fiction, fantasy genres, I find them absolutely fascinating to like explore the human experience, but change the lens enough so that we can believe the abstractness of what they're describing. Before we started doing a lot more film, a lot of LGBTQI plus themes were explored in science fiction in that genre because it was more palatable to a broader audience to believe in those challenging relationships if the context was different to our reality. Mm -hmm. And so I find a lot of those genres allow us to explore sides of the human psyche, human relationships, society that we actually, well, it makes it more universal in a strange way by becoming more specific yeah. in a genre. Yeah. Mm, totally. Yeah. Didn't even yeah. think about that. That's really awesome. Mm, there we go. There's a bit of a... Victoria's <laughs> mind is blown. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, yes, that is interesting. Yeah. I, it, it, it's something that I, that's why I love all of the yeah science fiction fantasy you get to explore worlds that pretty pretty mad imaginations concoct them but they relate to us in ways that yeah that are very very personal i couldn't agree more well jumping back into it a little bit straight off the bat what is a role that you would really like to play okay i've been thinking about this one because <laughs> you gave me the questions two days ago but i i would love to play a superhero at any point, superheroes, yes. are, I love them. Um, yep. I have a, a, yeah, at any point, a superhero. But in terms of, like, the canon that we have at the moment, the MC from Cabaret would be fun. <gasps> mm. Yes. What a, what a sassy minx he is. 
or they are. I don't know. Like you, it, that, make, and, that MC can be anyone. And then, have you listened to the new <gasps> London cast recording? I've seen. I've not. seen a clip. Eddie Redmayne. Oh, so good. Okay, I need to get so on that. much better than I anticipated. I recently just finished listening to the full cast, and I've seen so many clips of different people as like Sally and MC, and mm, mm, mm. it's amazing. And like it's Such that one as well has been constantly modernized. Every version, every time that mm-hmm. they put it on, they're like it's a more darker or more they 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 twist it in ways that is just yeah. more appropriate for today. It's so good. Ooh, I do love that. I love that. Yeah. Come on, we'll make it happen yes, one day. Yes. Come on, Australia, bring it here. Bring it here, cabaret. <laughs> and don't just do it the exact same as it's always been done. No, do something. No. You got to put different. your own spin on it. Yeah, because yeah, the version that I'm seeing and the multiple actually different versions that I've seen as of late, not in Australia, but online, have just been, yeah, really leaning into how of a dark of mm. a story it, mm. it is. It's mm. not a, it's terribly dark. It's not a fun, right. you know, colourful, bright thing. Mm. I guess, um, going back into into things, why do you feel like original work is so important for this changing Australian theatre market and and for its mark on the world? Mm. This is the hardest question. It is. It's so <laughs> hard. I think it. the answer is actually in your question. The world is changing. And mm. if we... We just need to keep creating because to keep up with the changing world, we can't ever in one person's experience experience the world. It's not possible. And so we need to tell everyone's stories. They need to be out there for us to to at least get perspective. I mean, my story is definitely not uh, an uncommon one. So, yes, I could tell my story, but people have heard it many, many times. There are other stories that need to be told, and my story has been told. Being white, cis man, my story has been told for centuries. So I believe new work from diverse backgrounds, all the backgrounds, just anything anything really just make it and through that we can actually hopefully stay up to date with the changing world so that we don't ever fall into patterns and resent and hate each other it's all about kindness there we go that's my so we can stay kind there we go yeah kindness is key yeah kindness is key yeah (laughs) no that's i think it's such a a good mindset to have about it because i do already feel like we're falling behind a little bit Mm. And it, mm. that doesn't change by not having new works. We need to have mm. new theatre. Even if it's not great theatre, it, it then seeing theatre spurs other people on to create works mm. as well. It, yeah, the whole idea of creation inspires creation. So the to you, we need to keep keep doing that so that people feel inspired. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's I don't I don't see a problem with rehashing old stuff or bring it back or having another go because it is lovely to look at the past and try to understand the present through that lens but Mm. we need to do both and through that we become better at what we do at creating at being people at being human at being storytellers yeah 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 i couldn't agree more absolutely I'm excited to see more stuff mm. come in the future. Yes. And I always get so excited. I personally love working on new work too. It's just, it's kind of what feeds your soul. Like no one's done it before you. Mm. 
you can really put your own stamp on it mm. and tell a story to an audience they've never heard before, which is so exciting and thrilling and beautiful. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And it's wonderful, I think, as actors as well, to be a part of it makes such a big difference. It's an absolute privilege to yeah. to create something new and to be part of that process and to be included. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. And obviously we've spoken a little bit on being a swing what is your top tip do you think for swinging for a show i got many but top tip embrace the chaos yes yeah embrace it just fall in love with chaos yeah yeah as i think there is absolutely no point stressing about it when you're literally about to go on yeah totally i think the my second top tip would be work your butt off like do the work (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like, don't sit back and just be like, just no, you can't just sit back and embrace the chaos. You've got to actually work. But yeah, yeah that's, they're, they're, they're my two. Work hard, but also don't give a shit. Yeah. 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 Become your chaos gremlins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let them all out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess, sadly, this is our last question, but a good one. Mm. In three words, please tell us why we should go and see Darkness. Okay. I actually went to all the cast mates last night and asked them what words I should say. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So I think the one in the program is actually enticing. So what else? I think delicious. <laughs> I do love that. Mm. And unique. Mm. Yeah. Actually, unique is the one that's in the programming, in the marketing. <laughs> so I'll steal that one. Yes. And then enticing and delicious were my two. I think I was eating chocolate at the time as well. So that's probably why I've got yeah. delicious there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That does sound very chocolatey. Mm. <laughs> it is. But I, I think that is exactly the right choice of words mm. to describe this show without describing this show too much. And 100% for anyone listening right now, go and see Darkness. You can get tickets via experiencedarkness.com.au they are running until the 12th of March so from the time this comes out you still have like a week and a half to go and see it and I would highly recommend and obviously please follow Experience Darkness on Instagram which is literally just Experience Darkness as well as following Drew on Instagram at Drew Drew Wilson double Drew we love it but before (laughs) we go we do have a segment on our show called Bedtime Stories uh, which is a show mishap costume malfunction ultimately chaos do you have a bedtime story for us? Uh, yes. <laughs> so, I, this is great. So, I don't know how many of your listeners know much about puppetry, but puppets, talk about chaos. Puppets are chaos incarnate. They never do what you want them to do, and they're always breaking. So, it's <laughs> you're bound to have uh, some kind of moment in front of an audience where you're just uh, fully exposed as uh, you just got a problem solve on the spot. And so my story's about Warhorse performing that. There's a couple of moments in the show. It's just a bit of context. The the machine engine, a whole background of like, there's an engineering department really on yeah. backstage ready for any things that break with those puppets. So you think of the, oh God, in like F1 racing, you got the pit stop. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the pit crew come along and fix the puppet at any point that you that you need. It's quite quite incredible, and they're so amazing at watching when something's broken on stage. But there were a couple of times in that show, in one of the dress runs, we had audiences for the first time, and we did one of the scenes, and the head fell off Joey. It's got, no. Yeah. The entire like mechanisms. <laughs> no. We felt this, and suddenly the head has detached from the body of the horse. In and. John Shearman, who was the head puppeteer. I was playing the heart and uh, Kira Lyons was the hind. So the three of us felt this thing go. And John, this, the head of the puppet weighs about 10 kilos. And, but the way oh it's designed God. is that the head of the puppet is supported by the body. But as soon as that oh thing no. snapped, he just had to hold 10 kilos up in the air um, until we were able to leave stage. And as soon as we left stage, there was a brand new head there. There was like all the people waiting. They came in with a pair of bolt cutters just into the neck of the horse <laughs> in order to break any of the bolts that were like holding on to whatever was left. And then they did a quick little head transplant. And then we like, we just had to trot back on stage for the next scene and then continue the show. Oh my gosh, this horse got a full on surgery yeah, in the show. Yeah, brand new head. Wow. And then I think in a later show, there's a scene in a barn where the horse gets kind of. A, a rope is going to be put around its its head in order to take it to market. And the horse doesn't want to go. Joey doesn't want to go and doesn't trust the dad that's trying to do it. And so he's stamping his foot in order to, like, say, get away from me, get away from me. And oh, no. it's my job to stamp the foot. Anyway, I stamp the foot and it shatters. <laughs> the, <laughs> the entire left leg just, like... <gasps> and oh, we're like, no. what do we do? We've got to... This isn't just. This is the beginning of like a thirty-minute sequence where we don't leave the stage. What do we do? And so this whole scene is playing out. There's like, like there's a war zone behind us, kind of coupled over, and we've got this scene in a barn that's kind of like, kind of happening in duality. And um, so we were just like, we just walked off stage. <laughs> we just like turned around. And just slowly, slowly walked off stage, like nothing to see here. And then when we got off stage, yeah. the pit crew were there, and it's like, doo, 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 and then suddenly I got a new left leg. And then we just walk back on stage, right at the point when they're meant to turn around and say, "All right, off we go." And then <laughs> the audience would have been like, "What the hell? Why did that horse just leave and then come back?" Yeah, yeah. Because our horse is an Can animal; it has it has it has a mind of its own. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, oh puppets goodness. are always breaking in yeah. in shows and you just got to keep going. You've got to find a way to make it work. And I think that's probably also why audiences do enjoy that because there's something exciting about the potential for something to go completely yeah. wrong. And I feel like yeah. puppets have so much opportunity to cause so much trauma to the viewers of puppets. Well, yes. Because... Totally. No, head no, no. just falling off. No, no, but that's it. It's like people buy the reality of the puppet. So if you do a wonderful job to sell them this idea yeah. that this thing is alive, like if you've got a human, like even a child, say a child puppet, if you fully invest in that and the audience believes that that puppet is a child, if the head comes off, it's so distressing. Like yeah. they believe that that's happening. Like if a hand oh falls off, they're like, what? Like the it, it's really quite... The, the audience really, really care. It's it's a beautiful thing. I yeah. think that's what, where the magic in puppetry is: is that the audience cares so much for those yeah. for those I've objects. Seen a Bluey live show back when I worked at the concourse in Chatswood, and they 
those puppets were run by like I think two people. Someone was like off in the legs, and mm-hmm. then someone was the head. And one of the shows, the head came off, and the screams. <gasps> <gasps> I was like, those children are traumatized. <laughs> They will never recover from this. <laughs> Even I was just like, oh no, Blue. <laughs> Puppets hold they so do. much power. They do. They they and kids at that age are like, they they believe them. That is Bluey. Yeah, yeah. Bluey died in yeah. front of them. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, drama. <laughs> yeah, you, we hold a lot of power as puppeteers, and uh, it's power that can easily be abused. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> so it's you got to you got to be very careful with what the puppets. <laughs> Otherwise, yes. you can shape a child's life in one moment, and yeah, yes. you you broken trust. Suddenly, they will never trust Bluey again. Yeah. No. Yeah. The poor children. The poor children. Mm. <laughs> Think, of, Think children. of the children. <laughs> the children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. That was an amazing bedtime story and so great to chat to you all about darkness. And guys, make sure you check it out. I'm really jealous that I'm in Queensland, stuck in Queensland, not able to see it. But if it ever travels, I will be there. But until next time, stay happy, healthy and safe. And we'll see you then. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.